Amen. Thank you, Brother Youssef. Ecclesiastes chapter number 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 tonight. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. And then the meeting afterwards, real brief tonight, as fast as we can get it in. Very pertinent uh, for all those within the school, all the parents of those attending Kingdom Baptist Academy and anyone in the Strings program. Um, we'll meet right afterwards. Every, uh, every person, part of our Strings program, meet afterwards at the same time. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. We won't have the PowerPoint tonight. Brother Cherry can maybe put some of the verses up there, but we won't have the, uh, uh, the slides for this. And we may and may do an extension of this and, and do something uh, a little bit later. But tonight, just wanted to uh, cover a thought. And the um, book of Ecclesiastes is a book, uh, and, and any of the kids who are not dismissed, I don't think I dismissed the children, Dis dismissed the partial rapture here. They were not eager to settle in, were they? No. <laughs> All right. Brother John, don't even think about it. I could see it in your eyes, but stay put. The book of Ecclesiastes is a wonderful book of giving perspective underneath the sun where we live on this side of eternity. So it gives clarity and perspective. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 is going to give us a little bit more perspective about the time in which you're living. I'm not talking about the year, but I'm talking about the season. Now, if you want to grow things, you tend to plant them at what season? Spring. And then you cultivate them early in the summer so that you can reap them in the fall. Football season is what season? Fall. I used to think fall season was football season and, and uh, that was how we divided it up. It was one of the four seasons. I didn't realize there was actually fall. I thought it was football. Even in the winter, as it comes with its cold and prepares the way for another time, it's springtime. And it's the same way in our life. Why do we have difficult times? Why do we have joyous times? Why do we have sorrow? Why do we have grief? Why do we have both pain and happiness? It's because it takes different seasons in our life and God's process of growing us to mold us and make us into what he wants us to be. But unlike the seasons in the universe, the seasons of life are more than just four. There are four seasons mainly in our universe, but God's given us many, many more seasons of life. And in this sanctuary here, just this crowd and, uh, and those that would be watching by way of live stream, people are going through different seasons in their lives. The season you're in, it'll affect your relationship, especially if you're married. It'll uh, affect your relationship in your home with your parents, your siblings. It'll affect your relationship with those that you work with, that you attend church with. You may be in a season of growth. Your spouse might be in, in a season of decline. And sometimes that causes difficulty. It helps to understand 
what season you're going through and what season someone else may be going through that you're connected to or working with. If you're working with somebody, they're going through a certain season of life, it helps to understand where they are, what they're going through, what they're thinking. And the Bible, too, helps us understand how God works in all the seasons of life to help us to grow. Ecclesiastes chapter number 3, notice in verse 1. It says, to everything there is a, what's the word? And a time to every purpose under the heaven. Now, I'd suggest sometime that you'd read through this chapter, maybe even this evening. There are some facts about the seasons of life. And so I want to preach a few moments on the matter of understanding the seasons of life. Understanding the seasons of life. Number one, I want you to see that the seasons of life are ruled by God. They're ruled by God. And I'm not talking about the consequences of the decisions that we make. But I'm talking about if you were to do everything perfect and you made no mistakes, you made no wrong choices, there will be seasons of life that you will face and that you're going to go through but it helps to understand that these are ruled by God. Daniel chapter 2 and verse number 21 is a great reference to put down in regards to that. Because we're reminded of how God is the one who controls. God is the one who is sovereign. God is the one who establishes what is taking place, who is in office, who is in a rulership. God sets them in, God takes them out. Now the difficult thing about the seasons of life for us is, is understanding what season we might be in or what it is that we might be going through. We know there are different things going on and that will happen in our life sometime or another. We have no control over these things. Waiting is a season of life. Waiting. Why is it so difficult to wait? Have you ever wondered why? We, we want control. Waiting is difficult because we have no control. Or we wouldn't be waiting. Things happen, circumstances occur that we absolutely have no control over and we seem to be victims of circumstances in a sense. And yet we're not victims because we need to understand that God has control. God rules through the seasons, waiting, waiting for what? Well, waiting for answers to prayer. Waiting for God to do a specific certain thing waiting for a certain goal to be reached, waiting for a certain thing to happen in your life is part of the season of life. The seasons of life are ruled by God. Waiting is part of that. And the seasons of life happen very suddenly. They can come upon us very quickly. They can change quickly. You're in one season of life and all of a sudden something occurs and you're in a complete, total different season. Not too long ago, many of you may have had a mate, a spouse, 
Maybe those even watching live stream have lost a, a spouse and you've entered into a, a new season, phase of life through death. Maybe some have experienced a new season through divorce. You were in a season of marriage, now you're in a season of being single or widowed or divorced. You're in some kind of a different season and maybe to a large extent, if not entirely, you had no control over that. You, you, yet you find yourself in that season. But God controls the seasons of life. We don't choose those seasons. They're controlled by God. Some are going through a season of illness. Some may be going through a season of extended illness. You are active. You are vibrant. You are strong. And now you find that there are things you can't do, the things you can't control. You're in a different kind of a season of life. All of us will lose members of our family. All of us will know what it's like to have sorrow. All of us will face, if we live long enough, limitation. You know, grief is a season of life. God can help us, however, to grow in the seasons of life because these seasons they're providential. God is the one who's in the business of ruling over these different seasons that we face. Number two, a second thought. The seasons of life are sometimes unexplainable. We're just perplexing. Look at verse number 11 of chapter three. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he hath set the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. You know, God does everything just right. He does it right on time. But the truth is we can never completely figure it out or understand what he's doing, why he's doing it. Sometimes we think we can understand God, but think about it. If you fully understand God, that would make you something like God. And the truth is, we'll never figure him out entirely, and I'm fine with that. God never said figure him out. God said faith him. Just believe him. We'll never totally understand God. I can believe Him, but I'm never going to fully understand Him. Now, it's true that sometimes we can look back at seasons of life that we've gone through and we can understand better what's happening and what God is doing and how the Lord has been molding us and shaping us through that season. Hindsight is always 2020, but at the time, we never completely understand it. There are some things we'll never understand until we get face to face with Jesus and then we'll understand. Right now we look through a glass darkly. Many times God's purpose is cloudy. That's why we say, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening now? God's timing is terrible. Why is he doing this? And we're just perplexed because the seasons of life are sometimes Humanly unexplainable. Number three. 
Not only do we see that God rules in the seasons, and not only do we see that they're humanly sometimes unexplainable, but number three, the seasons of life are purposeful. God always has a purpose, always. Your life, if you're a Christian, is not a series of random events that have no interconnection and no meaning and no purpose. Anyone have a verse that comes to mind that would complement this thought that nothing is by random, that God has a purpose? All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. That's a wonderful truth that God is so powerful, so sovereign. God is so high Yet God is so committed to intervening in the affairs of our life when we surrender to him and cooperate with him. The Bible says that all things, even the bitter things, the hard things, the hurtful things, he can work it together for our good. Now, he doesn't say that they are good. He just says he can work them together. He can take not good things and work them together so that they are good things. I find that when we try to make it good, we end up making it a mess. Remember Moses tried to help God out, killing the Egyptian, bringing about justice. He only set the people back even more. We try to take a shortcut like the nation of Israel did, and we end up making it a longer route. Let God be God. He knows how to perform miracles. Try that again. Let God be God. God knows what, what to do in your situation and mine. So the seasons of life, they're controlled by God. Sometimes we don't understand the season and what's happening, but this we do know, or at least you should know, or at least you can write it down and help God help you know God has a purpose in them. And if God has a purpose in them, that ought to be sufficient. Amen. Remember Joseph said, man's purpose was for evil. What they were doing to him was for evil. They had an agenda for evil. He says, but God, but God, don't leave God out of the equation, but God meant it for good. And the seasons of life, number four, number four, they are many. There are many seasons. Look at chapter three again, verse one, to everything there is a season. And if we were to look down through here, something like, I don't know, roughly 28 different life experiences that he mentions. Let's look at it. Everything, there's a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down, a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn, a time to dance. A time to cast away stones. And a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get, a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. 
throughout this book, he's talking about the many different seasons. You know, verse number seven, a time to rend and a time uh, to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak. I mean, the, very practical. There's a season for, for keeping. There's a season for throwing away. That's, that'll help you when you go out to the garage. You remember that? Or two kinds of people, you know, those are who are hoarders and those who are pitchers. And they tend to marry each other. <laughs> That's the way it works. There's a season for everything. A time to, he says there in verse 7, a time to keep silence and a time to speak. And oftentimes I get those seasons mixed up. But the truth is, life is a combination of contrasting seasons. And, and in Ecclesiastes, you see him contrast, not just enumerating the different seasons, but he's contrasting. In other words, it's not all pleasure. It's not all pain either. It's a combination of pain and pleasure. God knows that all sunshine in your life would make you into a desert. He knows that we need some rainy days as well as sunshiny days. And so there are all kinds of seasons. There's a time to, to grieve. There's a time to rejoice. God has a time and a season and a purpose for everything. So the seasons of life are many. Let me give you a last thing, a fifth thing. The seasons of life are also productive. They're productive. We talked about the fact that there's a purpose behind it, but there's also a benefit. God has a purpose, but there's a benefit. And so with the different seasons that you find yourself in, don't give up. Don't give up with whatever season you might be going through that might be undesirable, unwanted, and unpleasant. If you're going through a season of life and you don't think much is happening, be faithful to God. Keep trusting God. Don't give up. Don't get weary in well-doing. It, it seems like it's easier for people who are doing right to get tired of doing right than people who are doing wrong and getting tired and doing wrong. And so Paul says, those who are doing right, don't get weary in doing right. Don't get weary during the season of doing right. There are a lot of God's people, they're, they're not weary of doing right. They're just weary in the season of it. Don't get weary. In due season, you'll reap if you faint not. It means if we don't give up something good, something fruitful, something that God, only God can do is going to happen. We're going to grow through that, this experience. Too often, people want to know the why right now. I, I don't know that I can give you the why. For some of the, the seasons we face, you may never get the why on this side of heaven. But why are you struggling with the why when you know the who? And trust him. He's faithful. He's trustworthy. God is up to something. And even when you don't see him. Remember the book of Esther? One of the great reminders of that book is God's always at work even when you don't see him working. So I want to encourage you, whatever season of life you're in, that season of life, 
It can be and should be productive. Well, let me close this by giving you some things that we can see very quickly. If you're going through a season of life, let's say pain or disappointment, or if it's a season of life of victory, you've just had some great success or some great blessing, some great loss, some great disaster, then in order for it to be productive, we've got to ask the right questions. Number one, ask this question. How can this season of life direct me? How can what God is allowing me to go through direct me? Because God uses every season to teach us something, to communicate to us something about himself, something about his faithfulness, something about his love, something about his strength, something about his power. God How can this season of life direct me? God, how are you directing me in this season of life in which I find myself in right now here tonight? Deuteronomy 11 and verse 2, jot that down. It says, and know ye this day, for I speak not with your children which have not known. And which have not seen the chastisement of the Lord your God, his greatness, his mighty hand, and his stretched out arm. In that context here, and I love this, what Moses is saying, God is saying is, remember today what you've learned about the Lord through your experiences with him. God is saying it's you, not your children who had these experiences. You saw the Lord's greatness. You saw the Lord's power. You saw the Lord's might. You saw his stretched out arm and his mighty hand. God says, you saw the miracles. And so God is saying, it's not your children that I'm speaking to. It's moms and dads who ought to know better. And God says, I'm speaking to you about this. In other words, he's saying, don't waste the experiences. Don't waste your pain. God can teach you something through it and remember the things that God has taught you. Because if you fail to remember, if you fail to remember the experiences, if you fail to to learn from the pain, then who is supposed to teach your children how to experience God and how to find God in the midst of their season of life? And so ask God, how can you direct me? Second question, ask God, how can this season of life correct me? How can it correct me? Because many times God will allow a difficult thing into your life to correct us, to make us more teachable, pliable, more like the master. Don't say, I'm going through a tough season of life, so when I get through this season of life, then I'm going to really take a deep breath and really appreciate and enjoy life. No. Look at verse number 8 of chapter 11 there. But if a man live many years and rejoice in them all, yet let him remember the days of darkness, for they shall be many. All that cometh is vanity. See that? But if a man live many years and rejoice in them all, yet let him remember the days of darkness, for they shall be many, and all that cometh is vanity. See, people ought to enjoy 
every day of life. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Some of you don't look like it. Man, it's a good thing my eyes are a little blurry here tonight because you are not looking too happy. How can you enjoy a day when you're going through a horrible time? How can you enjoy a day that's so difficult? How can you enjoy a time when you're dreading to see the sun come up? You think it's never going to end. How can you enjoy a season like that? How can you enjoy a season when school is heavy and it's coming up? How can you enjoy a time when a bill is due and you don't have the resource? Well, you realize that still, uh, that, that still this is a day that God has given to you. It's a day which the Lord hath made. It's a day God has given you to learn and to be thankful. Don't say, well, when my kids are grown, I'm going to enjoy life. Don't say, when we have a baby, we're going to start enjoying our, our marriage more. Don't say, well, when we can have another child, then I'll be happy. No, enjoy right now, God is teaching. The, the problem is not that you don't have a baby. The problem is not that the kids aren't grown. The problem is that the bills are not paid. The problem is that you are not experiencing God. That's the problem. Don't say when this happens or this happens or that happens. The Bible says enjoy God now. Relish the moment now. Let the moment of life correct you now. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You can be in a bad circumstance and be in the center of God's will. Paul was in a prison but he was in God's will. Paul was sick, but he was in God's will. There are a lot of things that are unpleasant, but still it's God's will for us. It doesn't say give thanks for the bad or the wrong or the sinful things that others may have done to you, but you can give thanks in it because there's a God who's greater than what anybody else may have done. In the midst of it, give thanks for all the circumstances of life because God may be using the circumstances to correct you. That's what Paul says in this passage in Philippians. He says, I've learned whatsoever state I'm in to be content. Be content with the circumstances. In other words, Paul had to be corrected. God had to change his perspective. Paul was the one who said, Lord, I'd be more beneficial if you'd take this problem out of my life. And Paul recognized God allowed it. Satan was beating him to death. And he says, I can't take this. God, would you remove this? And God says, no, my grace is sufficient. I don't understand this, God. No, you don't need to. You just need God. He understands it. And there was a time when Paul was not content. And God had to teach him in whatever circumstance you're in, be content. 
He was always looking out there saying, when this happens or this happens or, or that happens or that happens, then I'll be happy. And God had to get him to see, Paul, you've got to learn to be happy right now. You've got to learn that, that I'm with you right now. I'm right where you need to be. How can this season of life, Paul, how can you let me teach you and correct you? I'll give you a third question. You there? Ready? How can this season of life perfect me? How, how can this season of life that I'm going through, how can it perfect me? How can it direct me? How can it correct me? How can it perfect me? You say, you mean I'm going to be perfect one day? Well, yes. You'll be just like Jesus one day. Now, the bad news is, It'll not be until you die or he comes and takes you. But you'll have a glorified body then. But what he is telling us, teaching us throughout the word of God is that everything you go through is to perfect you in your experiencing God. See, the reason we don't experience God is not because God's a million miles away. We don't experience him because we're missing him. And we're just a decision away of experiencing the nearness of God. And God will use the season you're in to perfect you. Perfect you into experiencing the one who is perfect. Progressively, he wants you to grow in your relationship with him. He wants to perfect you in the sense that he wants to mature you. That's why he says in Peter, grow in grace. It's a command. It's an imperative. He's the one who said, Peter, the same writer, says as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. It's a command. It's an imperative. He wants to conform you to his image. He wants to conform you to his character. He wants to conform you to his way of thinking. In Ephesians 5 and verse 15 and 16 Paul shows us how we can be perfected in our season. He says, see then that you walk circumspectly. That means carefully. Not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. See, Paul says, what, what needs to happen? And he said it here in this, in this book, Ephesians we need to wake up. He said it in Romans. We need to wake up. He said it in Corinthians. We need to wake up. And he says you need to walk circumspectly, very carefully, as if you're walking on a, a, a field with buried landmines. Walk very carefully. He says not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time, buying up opportunities. I'll tell you a tragedy from my perspective as your pastor is to see us work, pray, prepare, and give things that could help you experience God. Help your family, help your children, and help you, and yet you don't buy it up. You say, I don't have the money. He's not talking about money. Redeem, he says, to buy up by experience. And here's the reason why, because the days are evil. 
and some will tolerate the evil. They'll snatch up the evil opportunities. Don't want my kids to miss a softball game. Don't want them to miss the bouncy house. Don't want them to miss Chuck E. Cheese. But prayer meeting, we don't really give a rip. If they ever see God show up, don't matter at all to us. As long as, you know, they just stay around mama and won't mama the rest of their life. Listen, God didn't give you kids for your sake. God gave you kids for His sake. Wait till Sunday morning's message. I'm going to preach a message on lessons from a loser. Lot. Because he didn't buy up the opportunities that Abraham did buy up. Because the days were evil, Lot chose the the comfort and the prosperity that came with the evil, justifying it. See, Paul's writing to people who are being persecuted because of their faith. And listen, I'm going to tell you this. You, You ask God these questions, God will answer. But you want to get on the phone and call your mama about it, you're probably not going to get the right answer. If you want to know what God's up to, seek God. I'm going to tell you why some of the marriages are not flourishing. It's because when, when the man said, I do, the wife said, I do, she also said, mama's coming in on it too. The way a house, a home is started is through marriage. Isn't that, Brother John, you're working on that. And Brother John gave me a, some great insight and help on that. A, a, a home is started not by community building, bringing mama, mama into it and, and daddy stays in it. No, a man leaves his father and mother and he cleaves to his wife and, and there is a new home started. For what reason? To experience God in their heart and in their home. Now, the tragedy is when we forfeit the blessings of God, we forfeit experiencing God because God puts us through a season and, the, and, and, and where so many tragedies take place in marriage, a baby comes along. Before the baby, marriage takes place. But you see, as a single person, they're not satisfied with God. They're not surrendered to God. They're not serving, ultimately, God. Everything is in their own choosing, but it's not in cooperation with the season of God. And Paul says, you're walking as a fool. As a fool. So a season comes in, I have no control over, I don't like it, and what do we do? Well, they will pout, and many times the marriage is strained, and, and, and that's broken or fractured, and even though they're under the same roof, they're not in the same bed, they're not in the same room, they're not in holy matrimony together, and they're just in a contract, not in a covenant And then they get sideways and they just leave church. And the truth is, you can go wherever you choose, but the problem goes with you. 
when you ought to be asking, Lord, how can this perfect me? See, God puts you through a season to enable you to help others and be a witness to others and a testimony to others. Let me, let me ask you, how many of you just, if you're willing to be transparent about it, how many would say, you've heard me say to you at one time or another, God's working in your life. If you'll cooperate with him, he's going to bring you through this. And you're going to turn around and be used by God to help somebody else. If I've said that to you, would you raise your hand? The others, you weren't listening. Because that's what God does. God didn't put you here to sit and soak and sour. He put you here to be a blessing. Not to the people you want to be a blessing to, but to the people he wants you to be a blessing to. He gave you gifts and abilities to be used for His glory, to help other people, to show other people His salvation and His deliverance. What a testimony that is. The Bible teaches whenever you're able to do good, help people. The last thing is how can this season of life, and looking at this, I mean, the same thought here, but how can this season of life perfect me? The last thought it's not another point, but it's just with all of this. It means do it now. God's working in your life. God's putting you through a season. He means for you to experience him now. Do it now. This verse in Ecclesiastes is teaching us in verse number 11, he hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he has set the world in their hearts so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. And look at again, verse 1, to everything there is a season and every time a purpose under heaven. And then Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 1, remember now thy creator, remember now thy creator. In the days of thy youth, do it now. I want you to listen very carefully for a moment. Our great problem, I believe our great, great problem is not that we don't want to do what's right. Not this crowd. It's not that we don't want to help others. Not this crowd. It's not that we don't want to be used of God. Not this group. It's not that we don't want to be like Jesus. But our great problem is just we never get started. We put it off. It's called procrastination. Mark Twain said, why do today what you can do tomorrow? Those seasons of life teach us that there's something right now God wants us to do and we're not to put off another moment in doing it. We want, to, we want to walk as wise. It might be in regard to your prayer life. It might be in regard to telling a husband or a wife a, 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 a secret. It might be in telling your spouse how much you appreciate and value them. It might be in regard to telling a mom or dad how much they mean to you. It might be writing a note to a friend who just have moments to live that you don't know of. It might be becoming a part of the church and letting your life be used along with others in the body 
of Christ and joining your life together with other people and letting God use your gifts and abilities that he's given to you. There can be many, many things, but the Bible's emphasis is that if you wait until conditions are right, you will never get anything done for his glory. That's exactly the way it is in life. That's exactly the way it is this evening. Some of you are waiting. You say, well, you said we're supposed to wait. Wait on God, not yourself. You're waiting for the perfect time, when you have the perfect feeling, when you have the the perfect schedule, when it gets cleared up enough to give God some of your time, or when you get that next project over, then you're going to start serving the Lord. And the problem so many times with all of that, you're playing God and you're terrible at it. The truth is the person who waits for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. You'll never see a miracle happen because miracles can only happen when there are problems, when the conditions are not right. You know, revival has never come in history except when it was dark, dark, and dark. So stop screaming at the darkness and start seeking God and and getting after cooperating with Him and experiencing Him. There's something to be said for grabbing the bull by the horns. There's something to be said for getting out of the boat and getting your feet in the water, beginning to walk on the water and going to Jesus like Peter did. Because people who are waiting for those perfect conditions will never never come to Christ. Listen, I'm not saying go ahead of God. When God told the nation of Israel in Exodus 14 to stand still, he meant for them to stand still. That's waiting. And when God said go forward, he meant for them to go forward. That's waiting, waiting on God. What I'm saying is stop waiting on yourself. Stop serving self. Stop listening to yourself. Stop experiencing selfishness. Some of you say, well, I'm going to give my life to Jesus when I know I can live it because I don't want to be a hypocrite. Well, then don't be a hypocrite, but trust and obey. But I'd rather be someone who becomes a hypocrite because I tried and failed than a person who dies not believing God at all. I want my wife to put on the tombstone. At least he tried. At least I tried. Some may have been thinking about giving your life to Christ. You've been thinking about being baptized. You've been thinking about joining the church. You've been thinking about going through discipleship. And you've put some condition on it. You've said when that condition is met, when it looks good, then we'll do it. And God says, if that's your attitude, you'll never do it. Just do it. Just do it. That's what the Bible's saying. John 2 and verse 5, Mary said unto the servants, whatsoever he, Jesus, saith unto you, do it. You see the qualification, whatever Jesus is saying, do it. Don't write his book. He's already written it. Don't make it to say what it doesn't say. He already has the meaning in it. Experience him and then do it. You don't know the season I'm going through. Find God. He's the ruler of that season. Let's stand together, please.